KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll coming up this hour. Our uh, conversation with a friend of Libby's, actually, in Nepal. Woman from Manhattan Beach went there for a trip of a lifetime. Was she going to climb uh, Everest or go to the base camp? She or was going to go to the base camp, yeah. And she hadn't taken a vacation in so long. And then this happened, and it just totally has changed her life. Can you imagine? And base camp, they, uh, well, everybody knows this now, but they actually felt the earthquake. I don't know if they felt today's. Because the first earthquake was, if I'm remembering right, east of Kathmandu, and the other one was west or the other way around. They were actually fairly far apart, these two earthquakes, but obviously on part of the same fault system. That's why there are mountains there. And uh, pretty scary, too. You would think, imagine being in Southern California. We have a 7.8, all right? You know how devastating that would be. Now, you live through that, and you're helping with the cleanup, and then you've had aftershock after aftershock, some of them pretty substantial, and then you get another big one not even three weeks later. Not even three weeks later. It's uh, it's just it's almost unimaginable, but that's what they've been through in Nepal, and it's very scary. Anyway, so we'll check in with her this hour, and you'll hear about her experience living through two big earthquakes recently, and also as a Southern California woman, what does that make her think about coming home? to uh, the safety, question mark, of Southern California after experiencing that. I don't know. I might be, if I lived through two major earthquakes in Nepal, I might be tempted to move somewhere to middle America where they don't really have a lot of earthquakes. Move to Minnesota. Although with fracking now, even middle America is starting to have earthquakes. But they're not 7.8, at least not so far. So this survey by a website, it's a, it's a lifestyle website, a luxury la- lifestyle website for men. And they did a survey. They wanted to figure out who's more vain. And the way they wanted to measure that was how much time do you spend looking at yourself in the mirror? And what they found is a complete lie, uh, if not outright fabrication. I, I don't think they're making it up, but I think people don't answer these questions seriously. If you don't believe me, look at the recent election in the U.K. The opinion polls, totally wrong. Even the exit polls. I think we have a new a, a new group of people. We have a new society where people actually want to lie. They mess with. They play with pollsters. It's the internet troll culture. I think that it brought is. IRL, if you will. You know what? It's the same culture that brings people to uh, that place where they walk in front of a female reporter or behind her who's live on television and yell out that phrase. Did you see that yesterday a woman actually stopped in the middle of a live broadcast? She was out in front of a major league soccer game. And she confronted the guys who were doing it. Wow. She couldn't keep her cool? No. She just, well, she, she, was, she was very cool. But she said, why do you think that's okay? How do you think that makes me feel? How during you, her live shot, she did During that? her live wow. shot. Yeah, she got away from sports. We'll play that at the end of the show. We'll dig that out for you. Brian's looking at me like, you're crazy. I have it. I'll send you a copy of it. Uh, anyway, we'll play a little sample of it. But, uh, yeah, that's the one that I will F you in the P. Have you seen this? It's uh, it's everywhere now. Female reporters are having trouble doing live shots. Now even women are shouting it out at them. And even male reporters now are being affected by it. Anyway, there's just that mentality, I think, that people mess with people, not to go too far aside. But, I, but that's why I'm not sure I buy this, I think. Or maybe we don't understand what vanity means. Men admired their reflection in the mirror 23 times a day. Women admitted to looking only 16 times. And what's more, and it makes us sound more vain, men said when they look... They like to look at the body parts that they feel good about. So you've been at the gym, you might have a belly, but you got nice arms. So you flex the arms, you go, oh, I'm looking good. Women, on the other hand, they look in the mirror at the body parts they hate. 
and remind themselves of how bad they look. That's that's a form of vanity too, isn't it? Being obsessed with uh, how you look in the mirror, your body parts. But it's a very big difference between the two. And uh, the female respondents said that they were in front of the mirror looking at the body parts they didn't like on average 16 times a day. But it can get much worse than that. Listen to the extremes. Uh, Men spent 10 minutes a day looking at the reflection. That's six and a half days a year. Come on, Todd, you don't spend that much time looking in the mirror, do you? No, but I I try to avoid all mirrors. See, I do too. I cannot stand to look at myself in the mirror. Because what I'm going to see is bad. The only time I really do is in the morning brushing my teeth. And I want to make sure that I don't have one of those big eyebrows that's shooting out five miles that guys will walk around with all day long. You think you want to just pull it out? And I was like, okay, that's as good as it's going to get out the door. Brian, do you look in the mirror a lot? No, I can't say that I do. I mean, I do the usual check, like everyone, when I go to the restroom. And, you know, I've kind of just fallen the camp that it is what it is. And if I can just kind of keep it together, like you said, it, it, well, you know, what are you going to do? If I look like Brian, I would look in the mirror uh, all, all the time. Up. No, I, 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 Brian's a good looking guy. Yeah, but who he cares? Is. I don't oh, go I've around looking in the mirror. I just don't, you know, it's not, it's not what I'm made Hey Bill, of. did you know that Brian is pretty good looking? <laughs> I've, yeah, just heard that for the first time today. I'm not sick of that already. Meanwhile, Newsflash. See, meanwhile, I'm the opposite look, to Todd. If I looked like Libby, I'd spend a lot of time looking in the mirror. Well, fair, no, even more, yes, uh-huh. but, but yeah, still. You feel you've trapped yourself there, don't you? No. Uh-huh. Come on, Libby, how often do you look in the mirror a day? Okay, uh, the, uh, as we were talking about before with Brian, it's a functional looking in the mirror because we are required as ladies to have a certain level of hair and makeup done. That's an so excuse. It's not vanity. That when is it's, vanity. It's it's a functional thing we absolutely must do in order to achieve what has become the expectation of society and employers everywhere. So and I can't call it vanity. I think it's just an obligation that's that's laid on us. Do you really believe men are more vain than women? Really believe that? Some men, for sure, yeah. Yeah, see, some, but not in general. Maybe not present company, but uh-huh. I think in general, women feel the obligation, Well, as whereas men are more just like, hey, I just like looking at myself. I look so great. Women, it's like this self-loathing thing. Like you said, they're they're zeroing in on their hips and thighs and all these things. It's too bad. You can get in on this, 800-520-1KFI. Brian will take your call and push you through the other uh, room right now. 800-520-1KFI if you want to comment on it. I've got the proof here that men are not more vain than women. And it's not just makeup. It is a cliche that men don't dress as well as women, right? Gay men may be the exception to that. If men were so vain, wouldn't they care what they look like going out the door? Wouldn't they make sure that the shirt was just so... Todd, you just pick out a T-shirt. If it doesn't have uh, ketchup stains on it, you're good, right? Me too. Brian, don't weigh in here. You're not a typical gay guy. I, I do the same thing. I put on a T-shirt, a pair of jeans, and, you know, I comb my hair and I leave. You really are not obsessed with your looks, though. No, and, and neither that's are the, most you know, gay guys. It's such a That's the problem BS with that stereotype rap. is that every yeah. gay guy I know is not the stereotype. Yeah, it's not. So I'm starting to wonder if maybe guys, the stereotype Guys is, can't be bothered hanging around looking in the mirror all day. Well, we notice the stereotypes, though. That's why it gets reinforced, right? Because if you're going to be on some kind of, like, uh, TV show where you're a fashion critic or you're a home decorator, you got to be the stereotype gay guy. The networks present that guy, and so he's everywhere. And also now we see the guys who are online showing off their bodies, trying to attract women, 
or politicians who take pictures of their private parts, and we start to think that's typical of men, and I don't think it is. I mean, really, I would have to, I must be living in a totally different world than most men if it's true that men are more vain than women. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And, I, you know, I'm not criticizing women either. I think it's just there's a lot of cultural pressure on women to look good. And there isn't the same pressure on men. So I don't think we bother looking in the mirror as much because we know we're not going to be judged by it. Women get judged by how they look on the job. They get judged in the dating world. I know men to a certain degree too, but the guy who has a great sense of humor, can make a woman laugh, maybe has a decent job, seems like a provider, he's going to have a chance with women. Women are judged more by men on how they look. They just are. So maybe it's men's fault. But I'm not buying it. Jeffrey, are you buying it that we are more vain than they are? I think um, there's a vanity for both sides. And uh, basically, I only look in the mirror when I shave. So <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's so you don't cut of... your own throat, right? Right on. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or miss a little place. I mean, you don't want to. We're vain enough not to want to leave a patch of hair that you didn't shave off. But that's really about it for me. Uh, do we have Kamari here? Go ahead, Kamari. Not everybody has one in the room. Not everybody has one what in the room? Uh, a full body mirror. I don't know if they were talking about full body mirrors, but you're right. Women always have them. Men don't. Yeah. So so I think that while that is, I, I don't think that's a good excuse to say that you look at yourself in the mirror because not everybody has one of those. And women seem to care much more about the outfit and the makeup and this, that, and the other and use that uh, as their medium for that. So I would say, yeah. <laughs> I would say I have no idea what you're saying. Do you think men are more vain or women? It's a, it's an easy question. I guess I guess women, um, as far as society goes, but I might have a biased opinion because I am a man. So Yeah, there we go. So let's ask a woman. So far it's uh, lighting up with us, Todd, on this one. Men are not more vain than women. Sue, what do you say? Um, my husband and I started going to the gym more often, like probably six months ago. And when I first met him, he was like never into anything like that, like looking in the mirror or anything like that. He looks in the mirror so much more now and he'll like flex and be like, wow, I look really good. And, and like with me, I'm looking at my insecurities and so I don't want to be next to a mirror. But then when we go to the gym, I notice the guys are like always like checking themselves out. Well, yeah, gym guys for sure. Well, you've kind of proven it. I will admit, though, since I started to work out, but I still eat too much and my belly's still there, I sometimes just look at my arm in the mirror. Just go, wow, I look good. If that's all people see all day long is my arm, I'm going to be okay. Don't look at the rest. Whatever you do. You know, the full-length mirror I have to respond to because it's just harder to coordinate your shoes with your outfit as a woman. Yeah, and only a vain person would care. Oh, Coming up if next. If I had mismatched shoes, Bill Carroll, I think I would hear about it from you. Yeah, I don't think you need a mirror to know the shoes are. See, to me, mismatch means that they're different shoes. The left shoe and the right shoe are not matched. I don't care if it matches the rest. Coming up next, we're going to go to Nepal and uh, talk to a friend of Libby's, actually, a woman from Southern California who went there for a vacation of a lifetime. And what she got was an experience of a lifetime. Two major earthquakes within a couple of weeks coming up next but kfi am 640 bill carroll nepal has just been struck by its second major earthquake within less than three weeks 
We're just getting word that a Marine helicopter has gone missing uh, while working in Nepal, uh, helping out there. It's a UH-1 Huey, part of uh, Marine Light Attack Helicopter Squadron 469. Last radio contact said they had a fuel problem. No indication it crashed, but it's dark there now, and they, they may have just landed in a remote area. So, But we had a chance to catch up with Flo Lee, a Manhattan uh, beach woman, Southern California woman who's in Nepal right now, got there just before the first major earthquake. It's actually a friend of Libby's. And we uh, tracked her down and asked her, uh, you know, what it was like uh, to be there. Where was she at the time the second earthquake struck and what did it feel like? Okay, so it was around 1 p.m. here. um, And I was in the lobby of the hotel um, where I'm staying. I was actually waiting for a cab um, to take me to another office. Um, I've been doing some volunteering work here since the earthquake. Um, and as I've been sitting there, it happened. Um, and you can immediately tell that this quake was different than any of the other aftershocks that we've had. Well, um, you've had a lot of aftershocks. What felt different about this one? This one was much more violent. Um, everything started shaking immediately, and you could actually hear like a rumbling outside. I don't know if it was from everything moving. Um, and, you know, within... Within one second, I knew that this was an earthquake and everybody was running outside. Um, so everybody ran outside of the hotel. Everybody was on the street. Um, you could see the electric pole playing back and forth. Um, parts of the building were moving. Uh, it, was, it was pretty terrifying. Um, were people screaming as they ran into the building or are they fairly quiet and orderly? What's that moment like? Um, so there weren't a lot of people in the building I was in. Um, so there wasn't really any screaming, um, and then people kind of all got outside on the street, um, and I think there, there wasn't a lot of screaming where I was, um, later on in the next hour, we had, uh, I think like three more, uh, earthquakes within the next hour or so, um, and at one point after that, people were starting to become paranoid, um, I was in another building. I didn't even feel anything, but everybody started screaming and just building um, and back to the street. Um, and you could just tell, like, there was there's a paranoia uh, for a while. Um, when you uh, when you feel yeah. the building rumble and you know that this is a this is going to be a big one, you probably heard the advice, right? That in an earthquake, you don't run outside the building. It's actually more dangerous. Is that something you think about, or is it just instinct to get out of there? I think it's instinct to get out um, because here in Nepal, everywhere you go, like after the, the, the first earthquake, um, people go everywhere. Everybody would be out in a field, um, just trying to get away from the last things. Um, and just seeing all the pictures of things that men do, I think that it's everybody's everybody's thinking I need to get out of a building. Once you're outside on the street, though, don't you feel even? More vulnerable, you're watching the electricity poles shake and the building shake. That's got to be scary to be out there. Or did you run and try to get to an empty an empty space? No, I mean, yeah, you're totally right. It was scary. You'd get on the street and think, oh, my gosh, there's, you know, a hundred other things here that could fall on me. Um, and there's no, there's no large open space anywhere nearby. Um, so it's definitely like a feeling of kind of helplessness, and you're just out there and just, kind of at mercy to what's going to happen. And did you see any buildings collapse? What kind of damage did you see in that area? No, in Pokhara, um, we've been lucky, and I haven't seen any collapsed buildings. Um, you know, we've seen some buildings that 
seem to have cracks in them, uh, but we haven't seen anything collapsed here. Um, so it's been it's been a pretty lucky place uh, here in Pokhara. You were in Nepal when the first quake, the big quake, struck three weeks ago, too, right? Yes, I was. And can you tell the difference between two quakes that are that big? Does one, you remember one being bigger, more powerful than the other? So I was actually um, in a different place for the first large quake. Um, I was on a motorcycle tour um, and riding over some really bumpy roads, and I actually didn't notice it. Um, I only felt the aftershock. Um, but for me, this one was... So for me, this one was more intense than even the first one, um, where I was here in Pokhara. What's it been um, like in you know, the... Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Good. I was going to say, I've lived in for 12 years, and I've never felt a quake like that before, um, which I guess makes me lucky. But I think one of the things that made it so traumatizing for people today was just that we were not expecting it at all. You know, like two weeks after some major earthquake, you, know, you normally kind of think, oh, there's aftershocks, but you're not going to have another. Today, like the feeling of this quake, everybody knew this, this is not a small aftershock. Like this is a huge earthquake. And feeling it, it was just like that sense of kind of people had started to feel comfortable again. That's gone. Well, you slowly, uh, I talked to her earlier, replaying that one for you. Just amazing uh, to get. It's really hard to get in touch with someone there. The difference was technology. We managed. She could couldn't get a phone. Landline was tough. Cell, forget it. Wi-Fi worked though, and that was over FaceTime. It's Libby's friend, Flo Lee, Southern California woman. We'll talk to her a little bit more about uh, what she learned about this, and as a Southern California resident, you know how she compares living in the two places and the experiences she had. So that's coming up. But first. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. The latest death toll from the second major quake in Nepal in the last three weeks is at 66. But these numbers tend to get worse as they get into remote areas and they start to go through the rubble. And so, I mean, of course, I hope it stays at 66. But second major quake, we got a U.S. Marine helicopter has uh, gone missing, lost radio contact, doing humanitarian and relief work there, too. So there's a lot going on. Flo Lee is a Manhattan Beach woman who happens to know our newscaster, Libby. And Libby said, we got to try to reach out to her. It was not easy to reach her because we got her on the phone, a cell phone for a short time, but the phone kept breaking up. A lot of cell phone towers, no doubt, are down. That's what happens in an earthquake. I didn't think it was going to work. I thought we were done, so. Yeah. And then the landline, we just couldn't get through at all. All the lines were, were out. So uh, we we tried FaceTime using Wi-Fi. She's in a hotel the Wi-Fi is still working, and, of course, our Wi-Fi is working on this end. So this is actually a FaceTime call, and Libby's cut her iPhone up against the microphone with her friend Flo Lee. And uh, so let's pick up where we left off here. We did this interview just a couple of hours ago, just as the show was about to start here at uh, 10 o'clock this morning. So we asked her, you know, if Nepal had actually just started to recover from the last earthquake. In other words, what had it been like in the last few days? Were things getting better? Yeah, definitely, but the... Like, like I mentioned earlier, Pokhara was really lucky um, in that large quake. It didn't have a ton of damage, but it's been a hub of relief work. Um, but, yeah, the last – really, you know, over the last week and a half, I haven't worried at all. Um, the first few nights after the quake, people kind of slept with their clothes, you know, ready to go if you had to run out. But that hadn't crossed my mind 
you know, in the last 10 days. Um, and now again, it's kind of back to that. People are scared to be indoors. Um, they just don't feel safe anywhere. And I think people, people are thinking, you know, why, why is this continuing to happen? I think your friend Libby has a question. Libby? Yeah, Flo, I know that this was going to be the trip of a lifetime. A lot of people were following you on Facebook and very happy to see that you were okay after the first quake. What have you been doing since that first quake? And, and frankly, why did you stay in Nepal instead of coming home for the relative safety of L.A.? Yeah, um, I was supposed to go on a 20-day trek, um, actually to Everest Base Camp and then in the surrounding areas. Um and then the earthquake happened. Um, so yeah, I feel super lucky that I wasn't there um, or in Kathmandu where there was so much devastation. Um, and it, I was kind of a little lost the first few days trying to figure out what to do. Um, but Pokhara has been a huge hub for relief. And it's been amazing to see how many people kind of pulled together and just started going out there and trying to provide relief. Um, so I was asking around and at the hotel I was staying at. Um, the owner actually said, you know, there's a group um, here that could use some help. Um, you know, they're doing a lot of relief efforts and they need somebody to kind of help with social media, etc. cetera. Um, so I was going to leave um, because I didn't know what to do. And then it just felt like the right thing to do to stay um, and to try to help out in kind of any capacity. Um, and it's been a really good experience. Um, but, yeah, I was supposed to be leaving tomorrow, and uh, now I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure anymore. I'm asking you, Flo, if uh, experiencing this, knowing this could happen in L.A., has it changed your view about how we should think about life in Southern California? It, yeah, and to be honest, I've, I've thought about this a lot lately. Um, and just thinking, man, um, I, I really hope this never happens in L.A., but I know that we're definitely um, – you know, in a place where, where it can happen, um, and we will have more earthquakes. Um, so it's made me think about that more, um, think about the reality that this could happen and trying to be more prepared for it. You know, I don't, don't know how you can ever really be prepared for it, but at least to kind of think about, you know, what, what, what would I do in a situation like this? Do you, how much better do you think our cities would fare? in this kind of earthquake because you've lived there long enough to know how well constructed the buildings are or how poorly constructed, and you can probably compare it to here. You think we'd, we'd survive it better? Um, I would hope so. I think that you know, we have a lot more. Uh, our buildings are a lot stronger. We have an earthquake code to build them. Um, but I do think a large enough earthquake, I'm sure that there'll be quite a bit of devastation. Um but I, I do hope that we would have less overall, you know, infrastructure damage um, than, than Nepal has. Give the last question to Libby here because we have to wrap you up. Flo, are you planning on, on trying to come home now or, uh, you know, are you going to stay and try to help out? Do you feel like you're making a difference there? And, you know, just overall, how are you doing personally? Because we're all really concerned about you. Yeah, um, my flight to come home is on the 20th, and so I think I'll try to keep that um, and head back when that happens. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do here in the near term. Um, and, 
yeah, I mean, it's been a really great experience to be able to do some volunteer work here. Um, and there's so much work that still needs to be done here. Um, and not even just in the short term, I think in the long term, um, you know, in the next three to six months, Nepal is going to need a lot of support to rebuild everything. Um, and to get through, like, there's a monsoon season coming up. Um, and it's going to be really difficult for a lot of these villages. Um, so I think that, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to continue to help out in the future for Nepal. Um, and I would definitely like to come back again um, fairly soon, I think. But uh, but I do plan on coming home, um, hopefully, when Flo, the ticket comes up next week. Thanks for talking to us, Flo. You be safe there, okay? Yeah, thank you, guys. Flo Lee, Manhattan Beach resident, friend of Libby's by FaceTime. That's how we got through to her. The phone lines didn't work. The cell lines were really bad, cutting in and out. But we, she got to a Wi-Fi, and we were able to talk to her and get pretty good quality and understand everything that was going on in Nepal. She wants to return soon. Not me. I wouldn't be in a hurry to go. I know it's crazy, right? Because two earthquakes that big within three weeks, probably a lot of pressure has been released on that major fault line. Probably safe for a while. Of course, that's what they were thinking a week ago. No, that's not actually true. A few scientists said there's actually more built-up energy than that one earthquake released. I don't know what they're going to say about the second one, but that's how odds and statistics work, though, right? You know, if on average you have an earthquake that big every 50 years or 100 years or 500 years, that doesn't mean you can't go 1,000 years without one and then have three in the same month, just the way it worked out. Uh, mysterious radio signals have been emanating from space. We talked about that, and some of them are mathematically interesting enough that they think there could be some alien explanation for it. Well, one kind of mysterious radio signal, they've discovered the origin, and it's the last place they thought to look. I'll tell you what that is coming up. KFI AM 640. Bill Carroll, go to our line page and uh, check out, see if you could tell from these sets of photos which photos were taken at the Porn Awards and which ones were taken at the Met Gala. Which ones are the porn stars and which ones are the mainstream stars? If you could tell the difference, well, you can because the porn stars have more class. Tell me I'm wrong. Go to our line page, Bill Carroll page, check it out. If you don't have it yet, you go to KFIM640.com, Bill Carroll page, two R's, two L's, and this. Search engine, boom, you're right there. You know what I think I'm going to do here, Libby, just for the last couple of minutes of the show? I'm going to try this new. I've been working on Periscope today. Oh, yeah. People are saying, is this some new iHeartMedia thing? No, Periscope. You know that they were mad at the big Manny Pacquiao fight because people were Periscoping. Not that you're going to sit and watch it on your, you know, somebody's Unless shaky you're hand. really desperate, which some people were. I mean, luckily Aaron V invited me over, but otherwise I would have never had a spot to watch the fight. I might have Periscoped it. I'm going to just periscope the last couple of minutes of the show because I want you to know what I'm up against here in the last couple of minutes, the chaos that goes on in here as people walk in the door. That is a very precarious periscope that you have set yeah, up it's there. it's sitting on my mic, so this is exactly my <laughs> point of view. Okay, uh, we did a show a few weeks ago about these mysterious radio bursts. They're called fast radio bursts. They come from outer space, and they cannot explain what they are. And there's no mathematical chance that they're just some random happening because there's there's such mathematic symmetry to them. They're saying, what is this? What is going on? Is it some kind of beacon or 
Now, it could also be some natural function of the universe that we just don't understand yet. Well, there are other things, these mysterious radio bursts that happen from time to time, and an observatory in Australia has been trying to figure out what's going on. They're not quite the same as the fast radio bursts. They're called pretons or pretons or something. Anyway, it's also this mysterious burst of high-level radiation. And they're thinking, where is that coming from? And they have been on the hunt for years, and they have finally discovered the source. It's the microwave oven in their lunchroom. <laughs> Which, by the way, they're not stupid. They'd already ruled that out. They know the frequency of the microwave ovens. They know what signal that gives out. But here's what they discovered. If somebody opens the microwave oven without hitting stop, you know how you can, you can hit cancel or stop and the microwave stops microwaving? Or you can just push the door open yeah, you just and it opens by itself. That. Yeah, if you do it the lazy way. Uh, but apparently if you pr- if you open it without stopping it, it gives off this bizarre radio burst that they were thinking was coming from somewhere in outer space. It was just somebody impatient, couldn't wait for their soup. What are the aliens trying to tell us? Oh, it's Your just soup is ready. Popcorn. That's what they're trying to tell us. So, uh, But it's not the same as the fast radio bursts that we were talking about, because a couple of people sent me emails saying, so much for your theory about this mysterious, it's just a microwave oven. Now, that's a different kind of radio signal. Look who's there. I'm periscoping right now, Mark. Who is, who's periscoping? Always. I am right now. You are? Because yeah. I actually didn't periscope because I thought you're such you're so phobic and weird about being on camera. Yeah, I don't like being on camera because I'm uh, overweight and ugly. But you, you look good. You're a TV guy. I think you're attractive. Thank you. And I, I mean that in a with me right totally now? heterosexual way. It's a lot of tension in the studio right now. You're not getting any I hearts like though. Libby got hearts when I when I pointed at Libby. I don't even know how that works, but all these weird red hearts were There's floating up. There's emoticon hearts. Yeah, you just tap, tap on the screen. They're and now flashing come. up yeah. by the thousands. Look, That's I'm not kidding. Sweet. And then I go over to Mark, and it just—it's nothing. It's like it just. Libby's it's the dance. best thing on your show, Bill. No doubt about that. All right, so now listen what's to coming me. Coming up, we've got a great show, a packed show, a lot of show. We talk American Idol. We also talk. There's a woman suing United Airlines. She may really have a legit situation. She's, American Idol. What are you going to do for your voiceover gig? Oh my God! Don't remind me. I just it's terrible. You're that. losing your job. Oh my God! I just thought of that. It's got a pay cut. Back out That's of this terrible. segment. Do your American Idol intro. Last night, they sang their hearts out. Tonight, one goes home. Who stays? Who goes? Find out next, live, on American Idol. I got to chill. Uh, me too. Me too. <laughs> I love myself. Did you do it I the whole myself. time? Yeah, from from the very first. 14 uh, seasons. Yep. Yep. This, this is heartbreaking for you. I met them all, Bill, Carrie Underwood. I met Mariah Carey, Nicki Minaj. I know them all. Simon Cowell and I texted during World Cup. Bring back some memories, Bill. I got a lot of show. I'm going to tell all the idle stories. See what I put up with? See what I put up with? A lot of show. You're still talking? Thompson Espinosa coming up next. Bill Carroll. KFI. I'm not done yet. I got five more seconds. KFI AM 640. Enough!